Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Counting down towards week three for the Patriots. Patriots and Ravens coming up Sunday in Foxborough. Patriots home opener, and both teams come into this one at one and one. Joining us now for the Baltimore perspective is former Ravens tight end. He played seven years in the NFL. He won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, and now he's the host of the Believe in Ravens podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's our friend Daniel Wilcox. Daniel, thanks for being with us. How are you? Man, I'm, I'm wonderful, Brady. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Well, I appreciate you being with us. Let's start with the Ravens' week two collapse against the Dolphins, blowing a three-touchdown lead there. As a former player, if you are on the Ravens now, where are you mentally going into this matchup with the Patriots? Um, I definitely think there's a little bit of frustration that might have built up from the last game. I mean, you've never seen the Ravens' defense ever break down in the history of Ravens football. They've always been a defensive football team. So to see them kind of break down in the fourth quarter like that, I was scratching my head like, what the heck is going on? You know, yeah, Tyreek Hill is super fast. Wallace is super fast. But we got fast guys, too. And it's just I've never seen a breakdown in communication like that that happened, you know, multiple times in a, in a crunch time situation like that. Normally you go to some kind of prevent defense and you're in cover four. You keep everything in front of you for them to get beat deep twice like that in the fourth quarter to blow a 21 point lead, you know, by giving Tyreek Hill easy bombs. Is, it, just, it, it blew my mind. You know, there's definitely a sense of frustration that goes along with that when you got veteran players in the secondary and veteran players on the defensive side of the ball. They never blow games on the defensive side of the ball in Baltimore. They've always been solid on that side of the ball. So to kind of see them have a breakdown, it has to be a little bit of frustration building, especially with a new D.C. Is the communication issues, are they fixable in one mm-hmm. week? Because I and look, I don't know that the Patriots are good and offensively to capitalize on any issues the Ravens may have, but I'm hoping that they present themselves again. Yeah, the Patriots are never going to be that bad, Brady. They definitely <laughs> could capitalize, man. I mean, this is a copycat league. So what happens is you watch you watch game film. You sit down in the film room. You study. The coaches put together a game plan. They see what you messed up on last week, and they will try you early in the game to see if you're still making those same mistakes. If you are, then they're gonna they're gonna take advantage of those. They're not gonna miss out on the opportunity to take a um, to take advantage of a breakdown in communication. And communication breakdowns are simple. It's just like a relationship. <laughs> All right. You, know, you you get mad with your wife, y'all get into an argument or whatever, and there's a breakdown in communication. You sit down with your wife and you try to figure that breakdown. You try to figure out what, where the breakdown happened, where it started at. You know, let's say it's taking the kids to school. You thought she was going to take them. She thought you was going to take them. You know, we communicate it. We get it fixed. Next day, I take the kid to school. The day after that, she take the kid to school. And we got a routine set up. So that's what's going to happen. The Ravens are going to sit down with their wives and they're going to have pillow talk. And then their wives are going to say, babe, you guys need to go fix this thing. And they're going to go fix it. And then they're going to come back and they're going to play a heck of a game this week against the Patriots. Here's what's crazy is that we talked a little bit about this earlier in the week on the show. The Mm -hmm. Dolphins are first in the league in terms of pre-snap motion. And the Patriots are last in the league in terms of pre-snap motion. Um, so the Dolphins, I think, were able to create some confusion and indecision. The Patriots don't seem to have that in their toolbox at this point of the season. As someone who played offense, what does pre-snap motion do for an offense? And why are the Patriots not doing it? That's a, that's a great question, Brady. You know, when you got a team like Miami, you got so much speed. What you're always trying to do is find the one-on-one matchups. So the pre-snap motion, it, it tells you whether or not they're in man, whether or not they're in zone right before the snake, the play snaps. If they're in man, 
you know you're going to Waddle, you know you're going to Tyreek Hill, whoever has the best matchup, and you're going to get them the ball right now. Before you even snap the ball, you know the ball is going to those two guys. If they go when, when those guys go in motion, if those defensive players chase them, that means they're in man-to-man coverage on that side of the ball. Nobody can cover those two guys one-on-one, man-to-man, and run with them for three, four seconds. We all know that. So that's why the Dolphins lead the league in it. You know, the Patriots, on the other hand, they, they have always been, um, you know, take what they give. Take what they give you. Let's be smart. Let's play this thing smart. Let's not make it too hard on our quarterback. He's still young. He's still learning the offense. Um, let's not make it too hard on everybody. But let's just play very straight up, you know, clean football. When we need to know their man, we need to know their zone. We'll do things to, to, to de- decipher that. But they're going to go off what you do. They take their analytics serious in, in, in um, New England. I'm sure that Belichick and company has some plans and stuff to try to rival this Ravens defense. He always does. Former Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Now the host of the Believe in Ravens podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. The Ravens are really good with the tight ends. And Mark Andrews is the favorite target of Lamar Jackson. What can the Patriots do defensively to limit that connection and force Lamar into making other decisions? There's multiple things you could do on multiple levels, Brady. You, you definitely want to try to disrupt. Lamar by getting people in his face and, and contesting every throw that he has to throw. You want to make him throw those sidearm, those awkward throws he has to throw, flipping the ball. You want to keep him under distress on that first level. That's with the D-line. And then and then you change those fronts quite a bit so he has to take, you know, extreme releases to get off the ball. And you put somebody on him to bump him before he release every time to slow him down so he don't get into his route, route right away. And then you put somebody over him to cover him. I think you put a spy on him, you ask me, and let somebody run with him, one of your best defenders run with him all game long just to make sure that every catch that he makes is also a contested um, catch. And then you play different versions of zones and different versions of man to try to, you know, conflict his his his, his route ring ability. You know, Mark Andrews is really sharp. He's really he understands the geometry of the game, the angles that to how to push you, how to make you sit still and how to move you when he needs to move you. And um, he's very he's very sharp. He's very smart. So you got to kind of disguise things to make him think you're doing one thing and then do something else. And then that way, Lamar, it throws off Lamar's timing as far as him being able to release the ball, flashing people in front of Mark Andrews you know, would definitely make him double pump that ball. If you have to pump it once or twice, then you put pressure on him and you get sacks. You know, I think the Patriots and Ravens last played in 2020 when Cam Newton was the quarterback. It was a driving rainstorm. It was Sunday night football, and the Patriots ended up winning that game. And the book then at that time was make Lamar beat you as a passer. I think we're at the point where Lamar can beat you as a passer now when he can go deep down the field and he's got some young wideouts there with Hollywood Brown gone that he's enjoying a connection with. What is the, the best overall defensive philosophy against the Ravens right now? Um, I think the best overall is is the, the the put nine in the box to make them not want to run the ball. You put eight, nine guys in the box, you're supposed to throw the ball all the time just by the, the geometry or the dynamics or the mathematics of the game, right? You put nine guys in the box, you're telling me that you're trying to stop the run. I need to throw the ball because now that me and my guys are man on man with your three guys back there. So if they put eight, nine in the box, that's, that usually forces the Ravens to have to throw. If you force them to have to throw, then Lamar Jackson will have to beat you with his arm. You know, those nine guys have to keep him in the pocket and not allow him to get out the pocket and scoot and run all down the field and get 100-plus yards rushing on you because he could beat you with his legs all by himself and get 100 yards. You know, so you have to contain him. The Ravens don't have their key running backs right now. Both of those guys are beat up, banged up, and out still from last season. And I, I think it's a great opportunity to take advantage of them by stopping the run and forcing him to have to throw the ball. And, yes, he can throw the ball. I think every quarterback in this league got, got 
got those intangibles where they can throw the ball all over the field and pick you apart if you force them to. You know, but he has you have to contest those receivers to put them in, in very stressful situations. So those throws have to be perfect. If he can't, nobody can make perfect throws every single time. Well, maybe the GOAT, Tom <laughs> Brady, but nobody else could make perfect throws every single time to those receivers to put the ball where only the receivers can get it. You know, you were playing in the league when the Patriots were in kind of the first iteration of their dynasty before Brady was the GOAT. Now, you were with Baltimore in the 2007 season when the Pats played them and, uh, you know, and the offense was going off. What was your perception of Brady and the Patriots when you were playing? What was the feeling about the Pats? I hated Brady. I hated Brady with <laughs> freaking passion. He was the GOAT then. He was the GOAT the first 10 years of his career, and he was the GOAT the second 10 years. If you just separate both 10 years, he's the GOAT in both 10. <laughs> You know, so it's like at that point, you knew Brady was different. You knew he was special. And you knew when you was going in to play him, you were like, oh, God, we got to go play freaking Patriots with Brady. And you knew the game was never over, man. And, and when you got a guy that good from a receiver, from a receiving tight end standpoint and a wide receiver, when you got a, a quarterback that if you get open, he going to find you. That's no greater feeling than that. You go, you run every single route 100 miles per hour. You give him maximum effort because you know that that ball could come to you at any given moment. Even any given moment, even if you're the decoy receiver, if you don't run with the decoy, Brady will hit him. You know, so it's mm-hmm. like you he 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 puts you in a different mindset, and you go into every single game knowing that you have an opportunity to win. You know these guys are going to play hard, and they're going to fight you to the end, man. And and Brady has always been that quarterback. He's to me from day one. He stepped on the field. He gave guys hope, and he gave he made guys want to go out there and give their maximum effort. Do you think the Patriots have any of that aura still, or did it all go away with Brady? Like, does Belichick have any of it, or are the Patriots just not viewed that way anymore? Um, they're not viewed that way anymore. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, Belichick definitely has something to do with the mystique. I mean, let's not let's let's, let's face it. But coaches coach, players play. At the end of the day, the guys on the field are the guys that you're more afraid of. You're not afraid of OCs, DCs, head coaches. You know, so as a player, you're going in there like, I can't wait to pick off Tom Brady. I can't wait to get a hit on Tom Brady. You know, I, I don't want no parts of Ray Lewis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's those are the guys you're afraid of. You're not afraid of coordinators. Coordinators is most of the time they never hit nobody. You know, <laughs> so at the end of the day, man, like, New England – was who they were because they had a phenomenal defense and then they had a great quarterback. You know, I thought about asking you about a bunch of your former teammates. I thought about Ray Lewis, thought about Ed Reed. I thought about asking all about those guys. The one guy I want to ask about was what was it like to play with Dion? Dion was at the end of his career in Baltimore. You know, he wasn't Cowboys Dion. He wasn't 49ers or Falcons Dion. But what was Coach Prime like at the end of his career? What was it like to be around him? He was still Dion, man. I'm telling you, I, I was that kid that grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, watching him play for the Falcons. That's right. And all my friends was like, man, I'm Dion, I'm Dion. No, I'm Dion. You know, every time you go out to play football, everybody said, I'm Dion, I'm Dion. Like, so he was that he was that Randy Moss of my generation, I guess, where everybody say Moss, you know, everybody wanted to be prime, man. Everybody high-stepping with their hand behind their yep. head, you know, long leg strides. But when he got to Baltimore, man, like his locker was literally two lockers down from me. And um, I just thought it was one of the most amazing things, man. You know, I've only been in all twice my entire NFL career. Um, it was when I got to Baltimore, well, actually three times, all three times, Tampa, Baltimore, and New York. Everywhere I went, it was like, bro, I can't believe I'm in New York Jets locker room. Vinny Testaverde, Santana Moss got drafted with me, Mo Lewis, Sam Coward, you know, all those guys, Marvin Jones, you know. Um, and then I leave there, I go to Tampa with Derrick Brooks and Simeon Rice and all those guys, you know, and then Warren Sapp and Keyshawn, and then you go to Baltimore, and now you're in there with Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Suggs, and all those guys, and then they signed Dion. 
it's like I walk in there, I introduce myself, like, hey, hey, Prime, how you doing, man? Wilcox. I'm from the A. They call me Shawty. <laughs> and he called me Shawty from that moment on, Brady. And and he was just such a phenomenal teammate, man. Like, you can hear all this crazy stuff about Dion, about who he is, who he is, and who he ain't. But one thing he was, man, he was a phenomenal teammate. Um, whatever he needed, you know, I, I would be his chauffeur if he needed a chauffeur. <laughs> if he wanted somebody to carry his bag, I would carry his bag. I don't care. I was four or five years in the league when Prime came to Baltimore, but – I mean, I I always gave respect to the veteran guys that paved the way for all of us to be there. And um, I was, I mean, I was a fan of Dion's. I've always been a fan of Dion's. And I can't say that about a lot of people at all because I never idolized people like that. And I didn't treat him any different than I would treat anyone else. You know, one thing Steve Bashotti used to always say was you treat the janitor just the same way you treat the owner. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't treat Dion any different from how I would treat anyone else. And we became really, really, really freaking close for about three or four years, man. And he was like my best friend, you know, when I was in Baltimore for the two years he was there. Did you wear a do-rag growing up? I did. I did. I admit it. I wore a Dion do-rag. Absolutely. I wore a do Not only did I wear a do-rag, Brady, I had one in every color. Even <laughs> even camouflage do-rags. Like, I had, a, I had them all, man. Red, pink, purple, blue, orange. You name them, I had them all because of Prime, man. And, um, I mean, he, he made bandanas and do-rags and all that stuff really, really, you know, kind of cool in our eyes, you know, as an athlete. I think... I think Baltimore Dion also made the uh, headband around your neck popular. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so, <laughs> Daniel Wilcox, former Ravens tight end, Believe in Ravens podcast, Patriots Ravens, Pat's home opener, both teams one and one coming up on Sunday. Daniel, man, we appreciate it. We'd love to do it again down the road. Absolutely, Brady. Thanks for having me on, man. Great job, buddy.